Hi, this is Scott Goldstein, Executive Director of EmpowerEd. Welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. Our third episode this season is on longevity in the teaching profession. In our work, we watch way too many teachers leave after a couple years. In fact, I started EmpowerEd because I saw how destabilizing it was for students when their teachers kept leaving. I'm so aware of the significant barriers keeping people from staying in the classroom. When other careers offer more flexibility or less stress, there's a big pull away from the classroom. To discuss further, we brought together an amazing panel of veteran teachers with a wealth of teaching and educator wellness experience. Tara Warrington is a longtime educator with experience at every level, classroom, coach, principal, up and down the East Coast. While in DC, she worked at Excel Academy and is currently consulting in schools across the country. Gabrielle DeBose is a 30-year teaching veteran who now runs the Writing Center at Duke Ellington High School in DC and is the lead teacher facilitator for EmpowerEd. She helps empower the advocacy of DC teachers so they can change the system to support teachers, students, and families. Tara Jones has taught for more than 20 years, including abroad, and is now an ELA teacher at McFarland Middle School, a current EmpowerEd partner school, and is helping us start a mentorship program there to support new teachers. Together, we discuss the personal and professional wellness practices that have kept them in the classroom for so long, how they handled the moments when they wanted to quit teaching, what steps decision makers could take to help teachers in the game right now, plus much more. We appreciated this conversation so much and hope you will too. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Gracie Obahovich. I am the Director of Educator Wellness for Empower Ed. And I am Scott Goldstein, and I'm the Executive Director of Empower Ed. We're here to talk about longevity and teaching. We've just talked to so many educators over the years, and you know, we hear about that one, two, three-year cycle where someone they they just don't feel like they can make it and they switch careers. And we always get so sad when we hear about that because we know that that person started really wanting to be with students because they love teaching. And so a lot of the what we dedicate ourselves to in our partner school work is how do we retain these amazing human beings and make sure that they get the support and training that they need. So we're very grateful to have the guests that we have today, and we're going to let our guest Gabrielle, Tara with an A and Tara with an E, we have two Taras that sound the same, but they're spelled differently, are all here. They have combined almost like, probably like 85 years of teaching experience combined, which is amazing. And um, we really are going to talk about this long game of like, how do you stay in teaching for the long game? What kind of self-care do teachers need early on? And really like, what does wellness mean along the journey? So let's start by with some introductions. Gabrielle, can we start with you and just to hear who you are and a little bit more about your teaching journey? Absolutely. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Gabrielle DuBose, and I have been teaching for probably 30 years. A lot of time in different classroom situations from charter to private to public schools. I've also, I've taught a myriad of uh, topics, but they're related like journalism and English. I did teach music for a while and we'll save that conversation for another time because I am also an artist as a teacher. But I've had the pleasure of working in different surroundings and environments with regards to teaching. And currently I'm teaching at Duke Ellington School of the Arts in DC, where I'm actually facilitating a writing center and teaching an elective on the history of our school and the history of go-go music as well. Yes, uh, my name is Tara Jones, and I actually have been in education. This is my 23rd, 23rd year. Woo. Can't believe it. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Um, And I've taught 
all subjects. I've taught everything from first grade to eighth grade and even on the collegiate level. And I'm currently in Washington, D.C. at McFarland Middle School, where I teach language arts, ELA. But I have taught overseas as an L teacher, all subjects. That was a great experience. And I've been a STEM teacher, STEM coordinator, athletic director. Like I've done a lot. (laughs) I've been a teacher leader, administrator, all the above. So, and I've also taught on the collegiate level. So I have been in education for the long haul and every, it's an adventure. And I look forward to my daily adventures. So I pass it off to you, Miss Tara Warrington. Thank you, Tara, with an E. Hi, everybody. <laughs> My name is Tara Warrington. I've been in education for 24 fabulous years. I'm currently an education consultant. I work with districts in different parts of the country to support teacher and leader development, strategic planning, and change implementation. I started my career as an elementary teacher and middle school teacher, high school basketball coach and volleyball coach. And then after my 10th year of teaching, I transitioned into school leadership as a school principal. I've worked in charter schools, public schools, most recently a school of innovation where I had a really amazing opportunity to be a founding leader in an innovation school in North Charleston, South Carolina. I am very passionate about wellness and very excited to be here to talk with all of you of how we can best serve our students by taking care of ourselves. I love that. Thanks, Tara and Tara and Gabrielle for those amazing introductions. And it is just such a gift to have educators with all this experience um, here. I taught for 10 years here in D.C. And I also just share that sentiment that every day is an adventure and every day is a gift with the students. And also, you really have to have some practices to take care of yourself to, to last a long time in teaching. And I, I, you know, I think it only took me one year to realize like you have to be able to wipe the slate clean mentally every day to be able to go back in the next day with forgiveness and with grace and with everything for your students and, and everything you're dealing with. But that, you know, it takes a long time to really get the practices down that help you sustain yourself. So I'm curious what those are for you. First of all, just what does educator wellness mean to you? And then how have you both personally, professionally, you know, influenced longevity in your teaching career? What are the practices that have helped you have that longevity in your own career? And we'll we'll start going backwards now with Tara with an A. All right. Thank you, Scott. So wellness has always been a passion of mine. I was a college athlete. And so I think from, from early on in life, always had a routine and schedule um, that I stuck to. And so I definitely applied that when I became a teacher. And for me, educator wellness means taking care of your whole self. So that'd be body, mind, and spirit. And my practices have definitely evolved um, over the years, but the the programming has always been the same. So ensuring that I'm taking time every day for myself to just move. And that can look like movement can be different forms and you have to do what works for you and what is going to get you to move. So whether that's yoga or going for long walks or getting on a treadmill and running as fast as you can to like run out all of the, the negativity from the day. But I love to start my day with a spiritual practice. So really grounding myself in meditation and spiritual reading and relationships, I think, in this work are absolutely critical relationships with your colleagues, but then also your support system outside of school. So really investing in that. And then 
Lastly, just spending time in nature. I really like to be outside no matter what time of the year it is, but I always feel like, you know, working in education, we're always in a building and we rarely get outside. So ensuring that I'm taking that time, whether it's like starting with a morning walk or ending, you know, in the evening with some type of walk outside, but just making sure I'm connecting to nature in some way. And then one of the most important things that I've really tapped into is just breathing exercises. So it doesn't have to be a big production. And those are things you can tap into when you're at school and you're even before your kids, you can tap into your breathing to really help ground you. Love that. So important on a daily basis and like also a minute by minute basis. Like I just need this space right now away, right? In the midst of the chaos to do that breathing. Tara? Yes. Like Tara with an A. I too was a collegiate athlete. So the being structured and having routines set, daily routines is very helpful. Also for me, relationships, having great relationships at work with coworkers and students, it makes, you know, every day, a special day, so to speak. And and it helps get through those hard days. I am a firm believer in plenty of rest. Um, You need to rest to restore the mind, the body, and the soul so that you can come back the next day totally restored and ready for the new adventures. But definitely get moving, get exercising. That's key. It's imperative to ensure that your health is up to par. Because if you're not physically and mentally healthy, this job will be very difficult. Or this career, I should say, because it's not just a job. It's a calling. (laughs) So uh, making sure that you are healthy, you are mentally healthy and vibrant and ready to thrive in your day, whether you, you use prayer in the morning, meditation, Whatever it is to get your day started, make sure you try to do that on a regular and get in your routine, having that cup of coffee, just taking that time in the morning to start your day to make sure that you're starting off on the right foot so that you can have a great positive day. And also making sure that you stay positive. And you see the lining in all the silver lining in all situations, because in this field, there's always surprises. Um, There's always going to be hiccups. There's always going to be changes. So being flexible is key. Um, And with that flexibility, it does come with seeing that silver lining. And if you don't, if you don't have that positive attitude and the positive outlook on things, then it, it makes it difficult, especially if you're not flexible. And the different changes that may take place day to day, not even week to week, you know, it could be day to day changes. So just making sure you have that the mental health and physical health with flexibility and positivity. And I think that will help take you through most of this career. All right. I love what you're saying, both of the Tara's. I really am hearing it's like a discipline that you have to taking care of yourself. And I love approaching it like being an athlete because you look at like the endurance that you had to like be in teaching for so long. It's the same endurance that you need to train every single day to be able to go and stay in it. So I, I love just, yeah, that discipline that you're bringing forth. That's amazing. Gabrielle, what about you? 
I think I could just say ditto, ditto, and ditto to both the terrors. I mean, because, you know, and this is what happens when you're in this career for the long haul, when you know that it's a calling and and you respond to the calling to get the work done. I want to add that what has kept me in the field is knowing that I'm impacting lives. And for me, that is tremendous, impacting their lives in the, in the present and also in the future. And so that has helped to keep me in this field, to realize that it's a calling and to realize that what I'm doing is having a chance to impart life, impart knowledge, impart opportunities, especially to our kids who are further from opportunity to let them know that, hey, the table is set and we can all partake of the delicacies that are there. And that's part of our job as educators in, in terms of creating those types of environments. I heard both the Tara's mention uh, routines, and that is something also that's helped to keep me in this field to set the routines and manage them for myself and for my students. And I will say that when I was teaching English and having a grade 120 essays multiple times over the course of the school year, my family was very supportive of the work that I was doing. They would help me to create that space that I needed at home so that I could stay on top of what it was that I have committed to my students. And then also the moving thing, you know, like our wellness has evolved over time. Our careers have evolved over time. And so largely... There goes the bell. I think it should be part of our theme song. The conversation we're having about wellness is so timely and it's been critically needed for a very long time. So there's so much under the, the, the category, the heading of wellness, making sure that we are taking care of ourselves physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. I too start my day off with that spiritual connection. And then over the course of every single day, every week, I'm making certain that I'm moving somehow, whether it's taking a walk or doing a walk jog or or a stationary bike or taking my bike on you know a nice scenic route i also and scott and gracie know this about me i keep chairs in my trunk and my biking helmet so that wherever i am when the moment arises when i have a window of time i'm going to pull over to a park i'm going to pull that chair out i can take my laptop and do some great there and, and listen to birds singing right or i can read my favorite book I have to sit there and simply people watch. And so one of the things that has kept, I think, all three of us in this field for such a long period of time is realizing that we have to take care of self and managing that within our own lives, however that makes sense. And then we spill that over to our colleagues also who are in this profession with us. tapping into that same thing that has really been what sustained you all. So it's a really incredible um, gift to get to hear it and articulate it in the way that you are. And I, I just, I, re- I also just recognize how many teachers that you've taught whatever subjects, and I can hear that you've taught many subjects in many different ways, but I really always have this passion with wellness that what we're really teaching people is wellness, you know, teaching people self-esteem, you're teaching people how to, you know, how to trust themselves. And I know that like that, what you've been able to connect to in yourself has also been imparted to so many of your students. So that's just so powerful. But I also want to get real because I'm curious if there have been moments when you have wanted to quit teaching along the way, or have there been moments where you're like this, I can't do it anymore. And if it's so yes or no. And if so, like what got you through those moments? And then also just to think about the teachers out there who are maybe in one of those moments and how would you counsel them to be able to stay in it? I have had those moments. I think we all have had those moments that are like, is this what I really chose to do? Is it? <laughs> you know, you just, but at the end of the day, I always go back and remember my why. 
what was my reason? First of all, I am in education because I had great educators who molded me, so to speak, you know, and motivated me to become a teacher. So with that being said, it's like I may have had a hard day or and I've been in districts where we were furloughed. So we were getting paid maybe three or four days out of the week. And, you know, you still had to show up. So those were some difficult moments where, OK, how how am I going to make the, the ends meet? with being furloughed for so for so many uh, months or what have you. So I said, you know what? The money will come. It's not about the money. It's about my purpose, my reasons of being an educator and the lives that I have to be responsible for, for molding and ensuring that they're great productive citizens for our future. And knowing that if I were to quit, how can I spread my light? I can't let my light shine and allow others to view me as their motivation or have me to come to when they may not trust anyone else, you know, and they need they need to talk to Miss Jones. They want to be in Miss Jones's class because they're excited. So it's like just going back to my why and that that whole purpose filled life. It keeps me grounded and keeps me in this in this profession. Uh, and like I said before, it's a calling because if it wasn't, I, I don't think a lot of us do it for the money. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it, it is definitely a calling. And those teachers that are novice and for anyone who were career changers and may not have their why yet. You always need to have that why, because if you don't have that why and you're just out here doing it just because it's a job, it's a paycheck, then those may be the ones that we lose a lot more frequently, possibly. I don't know. But when you're called, you always have to remember that why. And that why is always in your head, even in, even in those hard moments, even in those moments where you're like, OK, this is just too much. I need, I, 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 this is not for me anymore. You know, if you ever have that, that moment, just take a moment, just take some time, take a beat and just review, reflect and remember your why. Tara E, I, I really love that you named the why. I think that's so important. And your why may change as your career, as you evolve in your career. But I would definitely agree with that. Like always tapping into your why. Have I have moments where I wanted to quit? Absolutely. Uh, I would say I've had more moments of feeling that sense of failure and inadequacy, a sense of shame. And the things that have gotten me through that, one thing that I learned was a phrase called name it to tame it that came from Dr. Tina Payne Brayson. And it's actually a strategy used with students. But I tell like my friends and I, I tell people that I coach that when you're feeling something, like take power over it by naming it. So name how you're feeling. If you're feeling shame around test scores, or if you're feeling inadequate because you had, you know, an observation that didn't go well, or if you're feeling like a failure, first of all, just sit with that feeling and then name it either with yourself or with somebody else and take power back, take the power back. 
just by acknowledging it. Because when we stuff those feelings down and we don't talk about them, they will eventually come out in a way that is not healthy. And so if you think about, Gracie, I'm going to use kombucha because I know you love that healthy lifestyle too. So I was going to say maybe a soda bottle. But if you're shaking up a kombucha bottle... And that's like stuffing those feelings down over time. And then eventually what happens is when you open it up, it explodes. And so that can happen in this work in education is that we're constantly going, we're constantly moving, and we're not always taking the time to sit with our feelings and really understand what's happening and self-reflect and being self-aware and actually naming and being vulnerable about how we're feeling. And when we are vulnerable and we name it to tame it, and we do that with others, we actually build a connection because other people, it's going to resonate with them too. And they're going to maybe open up and share like, yeah, I'm feeling some shame around that too. Or gosh, I remember when that happened to me. And so that vulnerability leads to connection. And I think that's the most important piece in this work is having that sense of connection so that when we do hit those difficult times and challenges, we have that connection with other people to help us persevere and get through. And then the second thing that I would suggest is like taking yourself outside of that school and going and being with your students and families, going to student events or going to families' homes. One of my favorite grandmas of all time is Miss Grandma Moore. She is my heart. And there are so many times that I just go to Grandma Moore's house and sit on the couch with her. And she just fills up my heart and reminds me why I do this work because it is the kids and families. That's why we're here. That's why we do this work. And sometimes we disconnect with that when there's like all of these things on our to-do list and like the time is like minute to minute to minute to minute. But if we really get back to that why and we really connect with the people that we're here to serve, that can really just get us back on track. I love those ideas about regrounding, remembering why you're doing this and, and the practical ways people can do that. This is a particular time in teaching, right, where um, uh, so much is changing about the profession, uh, but also about how we do education. And, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, there's so many forces changing about the workplace in general, uh, and then also about teaching. And we have a a pretty huge shortage in many places around the country now. You've been in education long enough to know this is not the first time there's been a teacher shortage, but it does feel like there's something different about what's happening now. So I'm just curious from all of you, what is your perspective on why it's so difficult to retain teachers right now, attracting new teachers, but particularly the retention? And what should decision makers be doing to help keep teachers in the game? Let's start with Gabrielle. Okay, wow, such a load of question. You know, because there's a myriad of reasons as to why teachers are leaving the profession or perhaps even why cities and and so forth are having is districts are having issues with attracting people to this particular career because everyone has had a teacher and everybody knows how important teacher the, t- the role of the teacher is in society but I think that from a lawmaker standpoint a legislative standpoint they need to understand and listen to the voice of teachers who have been in the field for a long time and get some of the solutions from us in terms of flexible scheduling in terms of uh, teachers having mentor teachers that they're assigned to in terms of also, you know, culturally relevant curriculum. So again, the reasons why people leave the profession, surveys need to happen there so that those particular reasons can be found out, even if it's from the exit surveys on their way out of the door, because we've got to find out the real reasons why people are leaving and people are switching careers, et cetera. And no better person to talk with, no better place to gather the data from other than those teachers who are involved in the exodus that is is happening in, in in the field. And so, you know, back to the well, 
wellness conversation and also flexible scheduling. Lots of great things that I heard coming from, from both the in terms of remembering the why. So even if the why teachers have remained in the field is able to be shared with folks on some of these social media posts, that kind of thing, I think those words would prick the hearts of those whom, who are maybe thinking about leaving or maybe prick the hearts of those who are considering this as a career field. Why is important. And it's something I remind myself of all the time. And I've done that down through the years, why I'm doing this work when I've thought about leaving myself, because I've had the thought, it has come more than once. But when I'm in the classroom with the children and we're engaged in, in a learning uh, environment, a learning project, whatever the particular lesson is at hand, and I'll watch the children grapple through, I watch them struggle with, and I'm here to help facilitate that learning. And then the light bulb comes on in my head. Oh, teaching is like life itself, where nothing's perfect. And there are challenges along the way. What do we do? Do we give up? Absolutely not. I can't let these kids give up, right? I want to be here to facilitate them until the light bulb comes on for them when they realize, hey, I got this. I do understand how to write a thesis statement or whatever the situation is. So being involved and engaged in the classroom has helped me to reground myself again and again and again because of the young people and their lives, their learning path, their learning trajectory, which means is what life itself is about. So if I'm going to wake up every morning and be hopeful about my own life, then I can be hopeful also and remain in this career where I can also mentor and model before young people what it means to hold on to the reins and you don't quit. You don't give up. And I think, you know, that connecting with mentor teachers is imperative with teachers who are new in the field or those that are making career changes. As the mad exodus, so to speak, I, I feel as though many teachers are fed up. It, we've lost some great teachers um, yeah. and it's a myriad of reasons. One key reason is student behavior. A lot of times, the if you've been in education long enough, you, you have seen the changes over the years that's dealing with student behavior and a lot of, uh, you know, in a lot of situations, hands are tied for legal reasons or what have you. So it's only so much that can be done. So that's why it's key to building great rapport with students for those that may have behavior issues. But I know for a fact, a lot of teachers that have left, it was because of student behavior and lack of support. And with saying lack of support, that goes back to at, the hands are tied on a, on a lot of situations with students for whatever reason with admin. Other reasons, it could be, like I said, some some teachers, they, they may love it, but it doesn't pay enough. So we need, uh, you know, especially, especially novice teachers are coming in. And if you live in the DMV area, that starting salary, it's hard to survival, you know, with the cost of rent and everything like that. And if you're anything like me, I never really wanted a roommate. So you have to, be <laughs> if you don't want a roommate, it, it, it may be difficult. So it, it has been because of salary and other, other reasons as far as like continuing your education. I know many teachers because either they didn't pass the praxis or they didn't they didn't have enough credit hours like to renew for whatever reason so it's like hey 
I'm not paying all this money. I basically got to pay for a whole nother master's or something like that just to have enough credit hours to renew. So then they look elsewhere and look at careers that possibly they can make more money and don't have to worry about renewing their certificate every five years or every four years or what whatever the requirements are for that particular district. With education, we do have a lot of requirements. Our standards are very high because and because of this, we have high standards for ourselves and we we demand high standards for the students, hopefully. But at the same time, it's not always reflective in the salaries, you know, with with a lot of the teachers. So they get fed up easily. Um, and I hate to say it, not to show my age or anything like that or, or downplay the younger generation, but we came up in, you start something, you finish it. We came in that era. And now it's like, okay, this is working on to the next. It's a lot of that too. Like, oh, I have options. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. You know, I can make more money here. I don't have to have all these responsibilities in this career. Can I ask a follow-up on that? Because I think that you're hitting on something so big right now, which is, so a lot of our advocacy around the flexible scheduling has been that trend that people can say, I can be involved in education in some ways still, but I could sit at home and I could write curriculum or write lesson plans and have so much more flexibility. And I might still be able to make more money than I'm making as a teacher. So there's that pressure. But there's also this idea, which I heard a policymaker actually say out loud today, that like millennials just aren't going to stay in things for a long time, let alone Gen what is it, Gen Z that comes after millennial? <laughs> so like that, that people just aren't staying in jobs a long time anymore. And they asked, so how long is long? How long do we want people to stay for? What should be our policy goal? Like if we don't expect that this generation is going to stay in for 20 or 30 years, um, how long are we trying to get them to stay in for? Because I would say we have a lot of research that teachers aren't great until five years, right? It takes a little while to get that expertise. It takes at least five years. And I certainly felt at year nine and 10, I was still very much growing and becoming an expert. And it takes a long time, right? So we don't want to lose them before they're experts. But if we can't expect people to, to, to be there 30 years necessarily with the way people are moving from career to career and job to job, what is that goal? And I'm interested in all of your you know, takes on that of, of what should policy be aiming to do in terms of how long? So, so if I could jump in with that, because that's sort of something that's top of mind with me. And that is, and I'm not sure whether or not my colleagues on the call will agree, but I'm thinking somewhere between the 12 to 15 years might be like max for teachers and classroom teachers in terms of the time they spend in the classroom with the students. But don't quit education. From there, take your knowledge and expertise into writing curriculum, into ed policy, into some of the other areas that help to govern what's going on in education. And I say that especially in this technological age where technology is so rapidly moving, you know, I'm concerned that I'm the dinosaur in the classroom because I don't move that quickly with technology. And there are younger teachers, you know, than me that I'm happy to mentor them on classroom management and how to handle, you know, kids that have behavioral issues. So everything from being a, a teacher coach to writing curriculum that's culturally relevant, et cetera, to uh, ed policy, all of those kinds of things that are important that helps what governs what goes on in the classroom. I think teachers, once they hit that 15-year mark, should look to take their voice and experience out into other areas and make room for teachers coming alongside 
coming along under them who are younger and a little closer to communicating with students a little better. And I, I, I agree. I hear what you're saying. But at the same token, we still have a lot of teachers who are still connected. They may be older and been in that been in the field for years, like over 15 or 20 years or more. But they still want that in-class connection. Some some teachers, they they want to be a teacher. They want to they want to connect with the students and that that that's it. And you have others that would love the 15 year plan. Okay, but but that plan that's set like that, you will have the all education facilities, school districts, they will have to be set up for that upward mobility. That's the other thing, because a lot of times the upward mobility is there. However, when you're good, you kind of get stuck. They want, but we need you in the class. We need you. I know you want to do this. But we need you. So it, it, it like for me this year, it's, it's a little balance. I, I'm a mentor teacher. I'm still in the classroom. I'm coordinating after school programs. So I, ha- I wear a myriad of hats and I'm using my expertise in all areas. So it's a win win for me because I like it. But some people say, oh, that's too much. I couldn't I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, however, I, I believe the option should be there. So. If we had those options where, okay, if it say it is 10 to 15 years and a teacher knows that, okay, I can actually move on to something that's still an education that would be a better fit for my personality. And I can also move on and allow novice teachers to come in and maybe work with them to to help keep them in the profession. That would that's an awesome an awesome opportunity if we could all do that and change it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Tara, what about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, so just thinking a lot about, you know, teacher retention was an issue that we always struggled with and we recognize the importance of teachers staying in schools because of the connections that they're building and the relationships with kids. And it's important for kids to be able to see teachers in the building that they recognize year after year after year and how powerful that is. And also recognizing how damaging it is when teachers leave, especially if they leave in the middle of a school year. Like it is it, it is a feeling of, of, of loss and a sense of abandonment for kids. And that's really hard to recover when a teacher leaves like that. So just thinking about, I'm always curious as to why teachers are leaving and they're, they're not able to sustain a career in teaching. And when I talk with teachers that have left, it does go back to freedom and flexibility in their schedule. Definitely finances, but I feel like that's always been a thing in school is that teachers don't make enough money and always have to have additional jobs, which tires them out and then doesn't make them show up as their best because they're exhausted from working their night job or their job on the weekend. But one thing that I've you know learned from a lot of teachers recently that I've been talking to is that their generation is different and what they want is different. And they are not going to um they're not going to stay in a system that doesn't support what their needs are. And so, you know, they had parents that went to school, they got their degree, they got their first job and their career, and they never left. And that's how it was. But this, their generation is like 
not doing that. There are so many different options out there and opportunities. I can learn a trade or something on my own just by watching YouTube videos and I can go online and set something up. So there's more options and they're more open to taking risks. And so our structure of school has not changed. And until it does, this problem of teacher retention is going to continue. And so we really have to start talking with teachers, teachers that have left, teachers that are still there to really figure out what the needs are and how we can start to problem solve and start to put some things in action. Because in you know, if we don't do that, if we don't hear teacher voice and really understand what they need, then we're not solving the problem. And so I love hearing about the flexible scheduling because that's definitely something that comes up when I talk with teachers. And like we're all saying, the demands of teachers are so different today because of accountability. And accountability is a good thing. With the with the teacher demands, it, it's more time than ever for a teacher to be able to do what they need to be intellectually prepared or to be able to develop a skill set around how to manage a classroom. But you need time to develop those things. And teachers aren't given the amount of time that they need for the amount of demands that are on them. So there's definitely, it's not congruent. So we're asking our teachers to do all of this, but we're only giving them that amount of time and it doesn't match. And so ask any teacher you talk to, what is your biggest challenge as a teacher? Time is going to be the challenge. And same with with school leaders too. What is your greatest challenge? It's time. So we really have to look at how we're going to structure schools differently. Yes. And just just real quick, Tara, with an A, to add to your comment, what about the time the teachers need for our own lives? That's right. Hey, work-life balance. That's right. Yes. That's right. So yes. I, I'm hearing two really important takeaways from this conversation. So much wisdom. Thank you for all the wisdom. But what I'm, I'm really hearing is commitment to calling, being able to really like identify that calling within yourself, staying committed. And what are the like the personal self-care practices that really help you do that? The endurance of getting through the hard moments. And then also like a willingness to transform and a willingness to let the system change and to listen to teachers to guide that change which in Empower Ed, that is what we talk about and what we are working towards and what we will continue to work towards because we don't, we don't see another path forward for, for the sustainability of education. So it's just really powerful to hear your experiences and we're very grateful to have you here. And I really feel like we should probably have a part two to this conversation because there's more I want to ask too. So <laughs> thank you all so much for being here. Thank you, thank you everybody. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at we are empower ed that just looks like we are empowered.org you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and tiktok with the same handle as empower ed dc or visit us at we are thanks again we are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy